Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Folks, I want to be, uh, begin tonight in a stumbling fashion, but with some words of inspiration. Never, ever give up. It's true. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't allow it to happen. If there's a concrete wall in front of you, go through it. Go over it. Go around it. But get to the other side of that wall. And also some words of uh, woe. I know it is fun to wrestle. A nice pile drive to the face. Or a punch to the face. But you cannot do it. Because it is in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. Well, and welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible, though. I don't think so. Should either. be. I mean, <laughs> wrestling goes back to ancient times. I mean, in what, some new study came out recently that it's actually good for children to have a little rough... Play. I mean, not too rough. You're not talking about, like, brain an- injuries or broken bones or anything. Duh. But, yeah, like, re- I remember wrestling my dad my uncles and stuff, and my uncle teaching me to do a form tackle against the couch cushion. <laughs> we had, we yeah. had this issue, and I think this is where, uh, to some extent, uh, or to a large extent, this is where you really notice it with males and females, with little boys and little girls. Yeah. When Coleman, I'll just, a simple story. When Coleman was about three, my wife calls me freaking out. She said, Clay, guess what Coleman just did? And I'm like, oh, Lord, what has the boy done now? Mm -hmm. And she says, all right, so he gets out there in the apple tree, and he climbs up in the apple tree. If you don't know, apple trees are not that tall. I, I mean, used to climb a magnolia tree in my grandparents' cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah. Well, a magnolia tree can be huge. Uh, apple trees, uh, they're yeah. generally about yeah. 10, 12 foot, you know, high. I was like, okay. He climbed the tree, and <laughs> he jumped. He jumped yeah. out of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. Uh, so... Did he break something? Uh, no, Clay. He didn't break anything. Branches and on I'm the like, tree. <laughs> okay, so Coleman climbed up in the tree and he jumped out, and he didn't break anything. So, so I mean, what happened? She's like, no, you don't understand. He climbed a tree and just jumped out. And when I asked him why he jumped out, he said, because he wanted to see what it felt like. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, that's what little boys do. And we've had other issues. He's, his little first cousin lives right beside us. Right. And they'll get out there, and I mean, they'll just get into fist fights. Right. 
And but they're little kids; they're probably not going to hurt each other. And the girls? Much. No, they they. Well, when they I start, used to do that. I got a bloody nose one time. It wasn't a big deal. Here's the <laughs> it thing. It really wasn't. Here's the thing. When they start doing that, they are small enough; they're not going to injure one another. Right. And the first time it happened. Same situation. I don't know if it was my wife or my sister-in-law. It's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to do anything. Let them fight it out. Right. They'll figure out that it, it really kind of hurts if you go when you too get in far. a fight. Let's figure out a different way to resolve this issue that we're disagreeing on right. rather than come to blows. And, you know, now, I mean, they, they never fight now. Because they used to roll around and... You learn a lot. You learn your limits, especially as a kid, when you have you wrestle. You wrestle a little bit. I mean, and also, think about it, too, with uh, loving couples. Married couples, new, new couples that are, you know, a few weeks or months into dating, whatever. They play fight. And it might not be a full-blown pillow fight, but people will tend to, like, pick at each other and, like, you know, nudge each other and do these sort of things. Now and sometimes that's that, a little weird. Well, and sometimes that play fighting can lead to something else. And it's uh, it can lead to populating the earth, if I could put it in those grand terms. Kind of like spooning. But imagine... We all know what that leads to. Imagine if you spoon? will... <laughs> Put the plastic spoon down, Seth Spotlow. Put it down, all right? And if you don't put it down, you know what I could do with that spoon. I can take out an eye, all right? Woo! So put the spoon down. All right. So if the earliest found written thing was a beer receipt, mm -hmm. then wrestling could totally be in the big good book. Oh, and beer is time immemorial, too. Beer is often what people drank because water wouldn't be sanitary. And uh, the alcohol in the beer, among other things, would keep it... Uh, it's not completely sanitary, obviously, like mm -hmm. when you're talking ancient Egypt, but it's more sanitary than the water. So yeah. beer, fermented, you know, liquid, worked. Um, yeah, but beer, beer is in the good book. Random wanna, facts taught me that. The earliest known found right. writing was a beer receipt. But here's the thing. Imagine you're one of these couples I mentioned before, and you're having fun. Maybe you've had some beer or a glass of wine that goes back a ways, too. Yeah. And you're sipping on your wine and your beer, and you start play fighting a little, wrestling with your significant other. And you realize, I don't quite yet want to contribute to populating the earth. And people have all sorts of reasons for that. Maybe we've already populated it enough. Seven kids is enough. <laughs> or maybe you're, you know, I'm, I'm too young or whatever. And the, the question of birth control comes up. Now, would you be open? I'm sitting next to two men who have brought children into the world. Well, helped bring children into the world. Would you be okay with planting you, the seed? Right, when you plant the seed is a good way to put it. That's a nice uh, euphemism or Agri metaphor, as an mm. aggregarian way of yeah. describing. Right, so how the plants going? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, imagine that your morning routine, and you say, you know, to your significant other in the midst of that. Oh, the moment's there. It struck you. Oh, I forgot to rub the gel on my shoulders, baby. And. I don't think we should tonight, or we should usually at least use a you know rubber prophylactic. But no, there's a new male form of birth control that is passed. I think health trials. It'll also have to show like does it work? So it's safe, but does it actually work? Where it, it was described in some article on Wired, or this guy and is working with his wife, and there are 400 couples around the country testing this stuff out. 
where you know you brush your teeth in the morning, you take your morning crap. I mean, not to be too blunt, but that's a good time to do it. You know, take your shower, comb your hair, whatever you do. And, you know, maybe trim your nose hairs. I don't know, especially if you're a certain age. <laughs> or you might be a young man who's just woolly. Who knows? Thank but you. present, woolly. You add, <laughs> you add to your morning routine that you squeeze out. And what the guy said is about the consistency of hand sanitizer. And you just rub on your shoulders this gel. And apparently it affects your hormones and your production of seed, so to speak. I'm down. You would be down to take that responsibility. Yep. As long as it works. What if you ended up being moody? I'm already kind of moody. Now, people might say this just shows it's taken... Seth finish. It's taken so long. It's taken 50 years for the male birth control to come out. I mean, we're leaving out, obviously, the the rubber. I don't trust it. Mm. And which, yeah, I don't Mm. trust that. Double team it. She does it. I do it. Right. Eh. If it, ain't, if it ain't raining, man. Right. Okay. I'm, we're trying to be delicate here, folks. We, we, this isn't like, you know... That's why I'm... I'm complete, explicit uh, sex talk here tonight. But it is an interesting issue that this is... It took 50 years after the success of uh, female contraceptive, the pill, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, which, for better or for worse, has become fairly pervasive in society. And now, 50 years later, you're finally starting to see what seems like a viable form of male birth control. Some people say, oh, look at the, the, the sexism inherent in the system, the patriarchy. Ah! But it might just be that the pill was that successful. So why have a male form of birth control if the pill worked, so to speak? Oh, and also, you know, the greatest form of birth control is, you know, control yourself. Mm-hmm. Which some people might say is too difficult, especially when you're wrestling and having some fun. <laughs> no, it, it, but, it's, you know. it's, it's not difficult at all. You, right. you don't if you if you don't wrestle, you never punch somebody, and don't start wrestling, and you're not gonna punch somebody. And and punch. and I have I I would never ever ever do this mm-hmm. for really for two we'll reasons. Do what? But but basic to take. Male birth control. You wouldn't ever rub this gel on no, your shoulders? No, I wouldn't. One, if it's affecting your hormones to the point that a part of your body shuts down right. and stops producing, doing, yeah. doing what it was supposed to do, what it either, I don't care if you believe in evolution or believe that God created us this way. Right. Either way, that's what them boys are supposed <laughs> to do. And if you can shut them down, there, that's some bad stuff right there. Mm-hmm. I don't like female birth control either. Right, for the same reason. Because you are, and that's because you are affecting the hormones in someone's body. Nobody ever talks about the increased risk of breast cancer that goes along with this right. magic pill right. that everybody's taking. You don't hear the stories. I think that Nuva ring that they had, mm-hmm. I knew of a lady that was using that as birth control. Mm-hmm. Works fine. Evil. It turns you into an evil, I'm talking fire blazing out of your eyes human being mm. because it changes your hormone level and your body is not naturally doing what it's supposed to do. There's there's two ways to do birth control. 
100% abstinent, sure, that works 100% of the time. But is that is that we also have drives is, too, so. right? Is that viable? No, not that's not. No, there's also cycling. You know where you are, when to do what, and mm-hmm. when not to do what. Count the days. Right. I mean that works. <laughs> that's what they taught us in Catholic school: natural family planning. Yes. You know, I, I mean, so I mean, there's other ways to do it. What this is is you're just lazy. And you just want you want instant gratification at all times. And when you get to playing slap and tickle, you're like, well, I want to finish playing slap and tickle. Well, no, I can't. You have to keep up and say, no, I've just got to wait for six more days, and then we can play slap and tickle. Just have a little patience, oh, 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 guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up. Seth, you heard it. <laughs> Could you just say it and let your let your laughter die down? Let's get some silence on other side of this, each side of this. Could you just say for me here very clearly, Southernwood, slap and tickle. Slap and tickle. That's All when right. that's I, when I just <laughs> want to use that as a drop at some point. Well, that's when you know that's wrestling between boys and girls. Right. slapping tickle. Sure. Okay. It's just a funny term. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, that's got to be one of Thank those Pent Lala sayings. Yeah. That's pretty, good. Out that's pretty good stuff. Well, and also, I, I just realized, I guess they're focusing on chemical birth control because there's always been the option, though it might seem extreme, of a vasectomy. So that's always that's been out there for a while now. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. Me, as a uh, 30-year-old guy who is, for all intents and purposes, single, uh, the idea of having to rub a gel on my shoulders each day... To stay that way? In a way, I've grown up to where the idea of the, what is it called, the fear of missing out, the FOMO, you know, the idea of I'm going to go out and meet somebody and hook up and be promiscuous, I mean, there it's been sold... In all sorts of ways, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Go have some fun, kids. But as I've gotten older, the less and less appealing that becomes. But mm-hmm. I can imagine. I'm not saying it's right, or I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, imagine people who go and live that lifestyle. There probably is an anxiety. Can you trust the person you're up with? So put it in your own hands, so to speak. Man, I did already. But got it just one. seems like Don't the wrong priority. It goes to our conversation last night, gentlemen, of, you know, should you bring kids into the world? And I think, yes, largely, unless you are so messed up, don't. (laughs) I mean, there are some good reasons if somebody is so messed up in the head or just can never get their stuff together, you might want to refrain. But I think the more I'm learning, especially because you two have children... I've been told by all sorts of people that having a kid is one of the most rewarding, interesting, trying, but probably one of the greatest things you can do in life. Yeah, and well, and I mean, anything that is rewarding is not going to be easy. Right. And that's, that's what rearing a, a, a child is. It is mm-hmm. very challenging mm-hmm. all the time, and it is. But to go back to your point about why has it taken so long to get... A male, male birth control. Yeah, this is where the the coin has not just two sides, but three or four or five sides. So you're talking it's about so, a die or something? It's it really is because it's so complicated. Because what what we are preached, what and what every or you know the people that argue for abortion, what they say is it's a woman's body, it's mm-hmm. her right, and 
in that aspect, well, then, if it's her right to have, not have, or get rid of mm-hmm. a baby, then it should be her responsibility to take, not take, you know, some right. something that would prevent that from happening. The man shouldn't have anything to do with it. On the other hand, if a dude can keep that, if he's got an issue with, well, I don't want to get her pregnant and I don't want her to have an abortion, well, if I can do something that will prevent her from mm-hmm. having a baby inside of her stomach, then I'll do that. That way I never have to cross that bridge or have that feeling. Put. So, I mean, it's a... But let me, let me suggest, uh, again, it's a process I've gone through as I've started to grow up. It's amazing that once you get away from the basic rule... I mean, it should be sex. It is how it's taught in Catholic school. Sex should be only in marriage. Now, in my mind, getting legally married, I think, is besides the point. Are you in a loving, committed relationship? Yeah. That is, whether it's on a legal document or not. I mean, you might as well make it legal, but it, I don't think that's what really matters. Just for tax purposes. Right. I don't think that's what the point is. If you don't, for all intents and purposes, you're married. Right, and you only decide to have sex when you're married or committed. Let's put it that way. It's amazing that if you break that rule, if you decide I'm just gonna, you know, I'll be like a bonobo, you know, monkey. I'll just, you know, hook up with anybody who's willing and able. It's amazing once you take on that mentality how much risk you open up into your life. Like we're talking about all the different ways. What whose responsibility is it? Like it just creates a. I suppose, to a degree, it might work for one person or or not, and you can really argue over that idea of what works. But it it is interesting how that old wisdom that's in a lot of different, you know, cultures and traditions, there's a reason it's old wisdom, because it can get complicated quick, not to mention the whole idea of of, uh, jealousy and envy and, like, how people can't keep their emotions in check. Like, there's, it was something that I entertained. I didn't do it myself, but I read a lot about it and listened to folks who claim they were polyamorous. What does like, that mean? They openly have uh, multiple, like, significant others. Oh, man, I'm stingy. I can't do that. So you would have, like, two girlfriends, and your two girlfriends might, depending on y'all's arrangement, might know it. That's or maybe they know it but don't want to talk about it, or they want to know every detail. But open, open relationship, uh, right? Um, but to See, me, I'm with Seth on that. I'm stingy, one. man. You mind? Just <laughs> learning about myself. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily possessive, though. I understand those emotions. It's more like that could go wrong on so many different levels. Oh, too many, so too many feelers involved. Yeah, like, it could go very, very wrong. And to see that as, like, if somebody wants to do that, you know me. Like, your life. And I'll if you're my friend and you want me to give my opinion about it, all right, I'll give my opinion. And it depends yeah. on who you are. There are some people that defy the rule, and fair enough. But if I'm talking about me and generally what I, it's not necessarily a right or wrong, we could go to the moral issue. It's more just like your life in practical sense. What's going to cause you pain and suffering and what's going to make you not only happy but feel like you're living something meaningful? I would say that you're playing with fire there if you're doing, you know, the polyamory route. Now, I've heard the arguments. I've heard people say, why is it that the person I'm hooking up with has to be also the provider and also the person that listens to me? And also, in like, 
and I've seen people make those arguments, and it's actually, yeah. I think, a fair point. It, it, it is a fair point, and it does work. It, there's the, You can never take a broad brush and paint it across everyone, but in general. Right. In general. The thing about sex is if you do it in that situation like you're talking about where you're in a, a some form of a covenant yes. relationship whether it's legal or illegal that to me does not matter it it makes it more meaningful because even i think even subconsciously even if it's just like oh there's a hot chick i'm going to hook up with her at some point, there is an emotional attachment established with that person. Mm-hmm. And it would be hard for me to have that emotional attachment with two different people right. or three different people right. at the same time. You would admit it, for you, but you would admit it's possible. Oh, sure. It and is, I think people do really have feel torn. That it sort it of is thing. extremely yeah. possible. I mean, the, the, there's, there's, I'm not perfect. Right. I'm just saying, but in general, in the way that we were designed, my feelings, is you were designed that way. That doesn't mean that we're going to do that. I mean, you can, it's in the, you brought up the good book earlier. I mean, you can find all kind of stuff in the good book. Mm-hmm. I mean, Solomon, the wisest man ever lived, had 300 wives and 700 concubines. That means he was doing a 1,000 women. All right? Dude was pulling some leg. And and he was a king of Israel. You know, David had multiple wives, and he was a man after God's own heart. Right. So we're not perfect. Right. And it is one of the biggest struggles in our flesh, you would call it. Oh, yeah. But physically... You know, that's the animal side of us. Well, it's interesting to just bring this up. I like to, let's go a little more meta here. Let's back up. The more technology advances, in this case, birth control and contraceptives, the more it demands. The technology is brought forth. We live in a free society, so people are allowed to do that. And But that then demands some sort of reckoning in an ethical moral sense. And I don't and here's what I mean by ethical moral. It's how I always think of it. I don't think of like some authority figure going this is right, this is wrong. It's I am not a believer in something's right because an authority commanded it, whether it's God or the government or whatever. I believe more in I guess what Thomas Aquinas would talk about. God is good. That's why he wouldn't give it's not that he commands it. He commands it because he is good and he commands you to do good. Uh, it's I, The idea, though, of because the authority says so has never stuck with me. So what I mean is that, okay, technology's moved forward. we got to reckon with stuff. It's like uh, the, uh, the guy in China who did the genetically modified babies. I mean, that should... Rightfully, because we've seen all our science fiction movies and read the books and what can go wrong with that could go very, very wrong. I mean, so we're building super soldiers. Alien, <laughs> alien's going to happen. But then, if you step back, and this is why you have to reckon with and have a conversation. What if you could genetically modify somebody to where they would never have the risk of certain diseases? That they they would never have the problem that their ancestors might have always been dealt with. Mm, it that, can that's that's hard. It's di- but it's a difficult question. And it, what sort of really parameters is. do you put on it? Because I really don't like the idea of like 
I can't remember the exact wording, but like custom babies. Like I want my baby to have uh, brown hair and blue eyes and these this sort of you know body makeup. I want them to be an, a cross between an ectomorph and a mesomorph. And like it's just yeah, that's that's where that's where I think you cross the line yes. into playing God. Yes, and but on the other hand, if when my wife was pregnant, if they would have come to us and done a blood test and said, hey, your child has got this, going to be born with this disability, we can do this alteration, and they won't have it, whether it be Down syndrome or, you know, going to be blind or deaf or, or right. what have you. It would be hard for me as a daddy to say, nope, I'm not God, if that's the way the child's going to be born. I would like to think I would say that. I probably wouldn't. Right, you'd want to help them. If you had the option, you'd want to do it. So it's Most a, likely. It's a weird tension, and this is, this is across the board. And one that you know, we've touched on a lot, uh, in, you know, just in the political sense, is the rise of big tech. Uh, but I always go back to this video. It's uh, Paxman. He's an interviewer in jolly old England. And he's interviewing David Bowie. I'll see if I can find the clip during the break. But he's asking David Bowie in the 90s about the Internet. Bowie's an early adopter. And that's a great thing about brilliant artists, musicians, the creative types. They're always on the cutting edge. And Bowie really put his finger on it. He said the Internet isn't just a new tool. It, it, it's it's kind of like the printing press you know, being brought about. But it's bigger than that and more complicated than that. He said it's less like a new tool, like the car replacing the you know, horse and carriage or the horse in general. It's, yes, replacing, okay, what? It's replacing letters in many ways. We send emails. It's an airplane replacing the horse is what the Internet but it's, is. It's even more complicated than that. It's not just a magnitude of I can go to a, from point A to point B faster. It is also we're connecting, and it's more than just we connect by communicating. It, the way Bowie put it is it's like a space alien consciousness that landed here on Earth. And it is, it's changing society in such a rapid fashion, like changing how we not only think but how we act towards one another. That And then when you step back and you listen to people like Ray Kurzweil of Google or whatever, and they're trying to think about living forever and the collective consciousness. Like, I just saw another story where people would install microchips into the brain so you could tap almost you know, instantaneously. I was just fixing to ask you, how long do you think it'll be before they have something like that where you can have a chip implanted in your brain? Right. And instead of pulling your phone out and Googling, now what was the name of the center that played at Auburn? In 1984, all you have to do is think that, and it immediately pops into your head, and right. it feeds that information into your head. But when would that change? How far is it from the Earth to the Moon? Oh, you oh, instantly know, and it just comes to you without. I mean, that's just it's just one step. Well, and people could say, "Oh, you're." I don't think the argument though that you're changing too much is necessarily the good argument because the since man made a, a, a arrowhead. Any, you know, it could be made the lever, made the wheel. We've changed the way society works and how we interact. And you could say those aren't quite as big as the Internet, and that's actually my whole point. But it's more like how does this affect the freedoms we have, the sovereignty of the individual, 
how would it affect society at large? Who gets the control? If you put microchips in people's brains, I mean, that is a... For what end? So I can be brilliant? So I can know how far the moon is from the Earth? So, like, what advantage do you gain from that, really? Well, and see, I would think... Because maybe it's too much information. How do you regulate all that info information being available instantaneous? Yeah, and that's we may be going way down a rabbit trail you don't want to hit, but then you get into where's the separation? Mm-hmm. What makes Joey different from me, different from Seth? There are things. One. <laughs> you well, know, there are some people that would say there is no separation. That's just uh, an illusion of your ego. And I would say, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, yes, we're all the same. We're all connected and we're all made of the same stuff, so to speak. Yeah, but we all have different talents, skills, and abilities. And if we all have the same amount of knowledge readily available, what's going to for? How did I get the knowledge that I have, the skill that I have? It's because I worked for it, and I had to figure it out, and I had to do it. And there's things that I can do that Joey can't do, that Seth can't do, and vice versa. There's things that, you know, you can do that I can't do, things that Seth can do that I can't do, things that Seth can do that you can't do. What would separate us if we all have the same? What would be the desire to, you know, go out there and work and and create that skill but and i think perfect this is one of the most complicated questions but generally i think this less than politics what is really making people because i've been asking a lot why are people so anxious why are they longing for meaning in their lives so to speak why are they in political terms so resentful towards unfair rules and people with power that's an old story in a lot of ways but it's also, I think, a heightened, hyper-technological moment that's continuing to change who we are. And you should be nervous. And there might not be any way to stop it, but we'll keep talking about this and other things on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be right back. folks show is in part brought to you by express fitness 24 7 now i mentioned earlier would you want to genetically modify your future children in order to be a cross between say an ectomorph and a mesomorph well god gave me that i'm that cross (laughs) i'm gaining muscle like a beast over here and that's all because of fine folks over express fitness 24 7 alex is pushing me giving me some personal training and I'm loving it. Number one, I love that it's not just our regularly scheduled workouts. If I want to get a little bit extra in, it is in the name, open 24-7. Yeah, that's cool. And I've never had to sit around and wait for equipment. They have plenty of equipment, whether it's your standard power racks or you can do squat and deadlifts and 
all sorts of things. Or you can, you know, get on the dumbbells or the weight machines or get on the cardio machine. Whether it's the row machine or the elliptical or the treadmill. I don't like the treadmill. Never have liked the treadmill. I prefer a row machine. But it's up to you. And if you feel like, ah, oh, I don't know about joining a gym, wouldn't I get locked into like a year-long contract? Nope. Not at Express Fitness 24-7. That's cool. Dude. Month to month. So if you want to try it out, you know, put your foot, toe in the water, see how it feels. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, and you can try it out for a month or two. And I encourage you to keep going. I'd imagine if you give it a try, you'll want to keep going with it. But then on top of that, well, maybe I'm not locked in financially, but I just wouldn't know where to begin. They'll give you free initial personal training. So they'll ask you what your what are your goals are. You know, what's your experience with exercise? This sort of thing. You know, do you have certain things, ailments with your body that we need to avoid or need to work on? And more of a physical therapy way. They can offer all that Express Fitness 24-7. I'm going to the Zelda Road location at the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. Yeah, they got a bunch of locations, don't they? Yeah, um, Prattville, Millbrook, Wetumpka, Clanton, Clanton, and Pine Pine Level. Level. Yeah, they're all over the place. So if you want to find out more information for yourself, what location might be best for you, but feel free to join me over at the Zelda Road location. I'll be there tomorrow morning around 9 o'clock. So that's when I or whatever time you decide to get there. Right, but that's <laughs> when I'll be there. Um, but yeah, check out expressfitness24.com. That's expressfitness the number 24.com. You can find out what location works best for you and more information on the mini gyms here by Express Fitness 24/7. I'm loving it. It's changing me. It's making me get interested in kind of the science of the body and how you can improve yourself what workouts are right for you what you're trying to achieve it's a it's a fascinating aspect of life i feel like i've neglected i love it so check them out express fitness 24 7 you're giggling <laughs> well I, I thought of something funny but i mean this is part of an ad so i'm not gonna say it no well, we're done with the ad but uh well, there's probably a bunch of smoking hot women over there seth that's why joe is loving it <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's on the row machine uh-huh. I, nice I met, there was one cute girl over there yeah oh, well actually yeah, a couple one maybe three hey maybe one oh. nod nod wink wink uh-huh oh, you know I got to get out more. I'm trying to end my hermetical way. Way to go on that. I didn't even think about that. Well, and and when it when I was younger, going out's like go to the bar, go have a drink or two or three or four. Or, you know. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that was never uh, mm-hmm. that was never fruitful in any way. And I'm not talking about hooking up with people. That's not the point. I mean, like meeting people and having a generally good conversation. I think it's possibly because. I played guitar right into headphones for four years in college, like electric guitar screaming around, and then I've been working this radio job for now eight years, probably with the volume turned up way too much, so I can't hear very well. So when I'm in a bar setting with all sorts of background noise, I can't Mm -hmm. hear people. When I'm straining to hear somebody, it's very difficult to have a conversation with someone. So I, I don't know. I just don't like that scene anymore. Though, if you are a bar and you're looking for sponsorship <laughs> advertising, <laughs> give me a call. Change Joey's mind. <laughs> yeah, change my mind. Um, yeah, back to this question of uh, technology changing us. I think in mm-hmm. some ways, though, it might have the potential to solve a lot of problems. Instead of doing a, a medicine that's always you know, trying to mask symptoms, or you could solve something at the root, at the genetic level. Right now, genetic testing, I would highly recommend it in the sense that you, not for an ancestry point of view, though that's fascinating. I've got a roommate who's done that, and it's really cool seeing him put together his family tree, uh, going back generations, and you know, cousins, several removed, all this sort of stuff. But also, people are doing genetic testing to figure out 
<clears throat> oh, I'm more predisposed to this sort of condition, or my just genetics, I don't produce enough iron in my body, or vitamin D, or whatever it is. You can learn a lot about yourself to where it's easier for you and a professional, whether a nutritionist or a doctor, if you care about such things, can figure out what's the best regimen for you. So there are... Technology, the whole point of technology is to solve problems. But then when the technology becomes so powerful and it can be used for evil, it's kind of like we're still dealing with nuclear weapons. Think we've got that figured out? Hell no. We don't have that figured out. When Pakistan and India, when that fighter jet went down like last month, talk about a pucker, pucker factor. Like, like oh, <laughs> you almost had to dump yourself yeah. there, Joey. Puck, puck, puck with a P. Like, you could back up to a brick wall and suck out a brick. That's my point. Especially the world leaders and the watchers of these sort of things. Like, we haven't figured out nuclear weapons. Yeah. Like, at best, we've got mutually assured destruction. And counterintuitively, we've had a lot of peace in the world. Not as much as I would like. But things... This is the best time in human history to be alive. But it's also the most confusing time. So it's like... How much information, number one, and I think this is what's going on with fake news, is there's so many things. Like when I do a radio show at night or I sit down to write an article for some website or whatever, there's so much to choose from. It's daunting. And there is this idea there where if you present a person with so many different options, at a certain point, they'll just quit. Like... I, I'm not talking about your basic freedom to choose, but here, pick from a thousand different things. You're going to go, what the hell is that? <laughs> well, that's like when you get home at night, it's like, what am I going to eat for supper? And you open the refrigerator up. Right. If you've got some ham. In my case, and, the refrigerator is the grocery store every night. Yeah. <laughs> so it's even more daunting. Uh-huh. You know, and some lettuce in there, you're like, well, I'm going to make a ham sandwich. But if you've got five different things of leftovers, you're going to be like, oh, do I want lasagna? Do I want pizza? Do I want, and you sit there and you're like, I kind of like a little bit of all lime. I'm just going to eat some chips. (laughs) (laughs) But But you give up. You go for the easy option. What my wife does, she goes, I think I'm just going to make some popcorn. And she'll eat popcorn. Well, and so if you take that away from the realm of what am I going to eat tonight, which, by the way, I'm going to eat some steak and some twice baked potatoes. Because my brother's in town. and It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Watch some Game of Thrones. Catch it up for the new season coming out next month. Have you gotten to 6-4 yet? No. I binged I'm it. I'm <laughs> about midway through season five. five. I binged it in two months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, all eight so you're seasons. all caught up. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, I'll just use it in a phrase without giving too much away. Same. The Faith Militant. I'm at that part of the show. Okay. Really cool stuff. And by the way, folks, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, if you can swallow the gratuitous sex and violence, which it does, especially at the beginning what? of this show, that stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, actually, there are certain scenes that it's not should done. bother you, and it's done on purpose to bother you because a certain character is evil. And so to depict how evil a certain person uh, is, there's, yeah. there's some yeah pretty messed up scenes. Yeah, and it's and it's really it's not as vulgar as it would look like if you watched it on mute and didn't right. know anything. If you no just context. saw a scene, yeah. it, it it's it's not, I would say it's not vulgar. 
It is. Well, you don't want. <laughs> yes, it is. Violent. You don't want, you know. Keep your, in mind you're talking to you snowflakes want, of America out there, some of them, you know. You right. don't want Pink walk, watching it with you, you right. know. No it's little like, kids. No Frizz, no. you got to go to the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can't watch this show. No, not this, not this show. Oh. But it's a matter of... Great storyline, though. It's a great storyline about humanity. But apply this idea, though, of too many options. Not to your food choices or whatever, but it's like what I deal with when... What am I going to cover tonight? There's so many different little rabbit holes you Mm -hmm. can go down. It makes you wonder if you, say, had that microchip where you could access all of human knowledge, how would some people handle it? I think some people would be in hell. Or or maybe if they still have their volition... They would just pull up all the cat videos they could in their mind all the time. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, have you but when cat would video. that go away? How many? When you hit a race. <clears throat> all right, hold on. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I am I'm 45 years old. I used to have probably 60 to 70 phone numbers memorized in my head. Right. Joey, we communicate on a constant basis. I do not even know the very first number of your phone number. Because you don't need to. Right. It's just the name. You click on it. It's I remember name. I knew numbers out the woo We used to have Rolodex. And if you wanted to call John Deere to order a part for the farm... Mm-hmm. You flipped over to John Deere, or either you had their phone number memorized, memorized in, in your head. It applies to directions, like if I'm driving to Seth's house in Millbrook. Like, I, I've, I've memorized it at this point, but Can't the first few there. times, it's like, well, let's pull up the maps and have it in my uh-huh. earbuds directing me. I've done that to people's houses I've been to, you know, four or five times. In a way Generally, that- I mean, when I, was, when I was growing up, I would call the girl and I'd say, you know, Hey, Susie Smith, I'm going to let you go out with me this weekend. She's like, oh, okay, Clay, I'm so honored, and I, I, I just can't even believe it. I love, <laughs> I love the way your backside looks in your jorts when you're cutting a rug out the club. Now, they were jams back then. But no, and, but, and then I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was a jam. I was like, where do you, where do you live? That, and you know, song back in the 80s? But right. they would but, give you the address, and they would say, you go down Ann Street, and then off Ann Street, you turn, you know, on Harrison Road, you go down to the traffic light, turn up in the neighborhood, go to the second stop sign, take a right, go down two blocks, take a left, and we're, I'm the fifth house on the right, <laughs> right, brick, you know, with blue shutters. That's how you found people's houses. Don't look at me. I remember. <laughs> now, it's give me your address. You punch it in your phone, and You're you just there. drive there. And right. I mean, there's I've been to well, houses like five times. In a way, it's messed, I, it's also messed up the dating world. It's not like oh, I met somebody. Let's make plans actually keep those plans no you're in constant communicate oh there's a text at a random hour of the night there's a text here or there and then also have you heard of this idea of uh you're gonna go on a date with somebody so you research them that no man come on oh my god so it's all over social media you could google somebody's name i mean yeah Hell, though. I mean, if somebody wants to date me, I, well, this is episode 374, 75. 
I, there are three hundred and seventy something hours of Joey. You can you can analyze. You can. Stalk I need to him. hire a psychologist, psychiatrist to analyze those three hundred something hours. Uh, you don't have any dates. I'm supposed Joey. to go hang out with a little girl tomorrow, and man, I'm crossing my fingers that but don't, I don't ruin get, it. You know, don't. I think sometimes technology allows you to overthink, and it is changing us. Before we go. Um, we got a few minutes left. I do want to pull up. I think I found this David Bowie oh my God, uh, comment. Look at her. <laughs> <laughs> he is looking pretty feminine there. That uh, looks good, though. Oh, those are glasses. I thought he had... Yeah, he, oh. those are you know shades. But here, he, he, let's listen to this portion of the interview. This I is don't 1999. I've seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the Internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, <laughs> when you think, then, about the Is there life on Mars? <laughs> yes, it's just landed here. But yeah. that's, it's a simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so in simpatico it's going to it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about in a way he's, he was so right that was 20 years ago yeah and but he, he was, was so a, right he was just a stupid rock star though right I mean, what know. does he know one of those guys he just, <laughs> he right. just sings good and plays the guitar and dances mm. and you know mm. those kind of things but freaking spot brilliant. on yes yeah. uh -huh. because we've seen the exhilarating like you've seen you know people can make connections from the past you can actually learn about in detail of that friend you had in high school you can reconnect you can find out any bit of human knowledge you pretty much ever wanted you can find that obscure your symphony that you'd only ever read about, maybe read the sheet music. Now you can hear them, a great orchestra playing it. I mean, you, there's all sorts of things out there that are exhilarating. What have you also seen with the rise of the internet? Groups like ISIS can connect with one another and spread their ideas easier. Like the controls on, and what he said about mediums is so profound, I barely even understand it. But like, think about it this way this is a very much a, a one way medium. It can be two way on the radio. We can sometimes get phone calls. Uh, but, you know, we're pretty much just projecting out what we want to project out. We control the content in a way. And what the argument is right now over Facebook and Twitter is mm -hmm. how much should the so-called provider control the content? How much are they responsible? Because the content isn't created by the provider. Like, we're responsible for what goes out over these airwaves. Is YouTube really responsible for every person that uploads a video? And, like, how connected to oh, those people are you? It's sort of breaking down these hierarchies that have always existed, where you can't trust Walter Cronkite to come on the news and tell you, this is the facts of the day. It, right. it's, you have to almost navigate it yourself, in a way. That's the, and that's actually, I got an interesting discussion with the boss the other night, online of all places, that I think one problem, and I've done it, I know a lot of people will do it. I think a lot of people are too used to this old format of Walter Cronkite or, you know, talking to you or Tom Brokaw or whatever it is, you know, giving you the truth, where really it's up to you to discover what's true. Number one, not with the news. You really want to figure out what's true. Go read a history book or, you know, read the Bible even. Uh, but don't 
just sit and expect it to be brought to you. You have to, and here's one thing. The reason Google has power, the reason Facebook and Twitter have power, is that people allow those companies to curate their lives when it comes to knowledge. Some people use them, though. I mean, some people are very successful on social media platforms and online. But if your extent of the news is, I read Google News today, you're letting that big company aggregate and curate. To an extent, don't let Matt Drudge do it either. Right. Search it out on every platform you can if you have the time and if you have the interest. Maybe you don't give a damn about this stuff, and that's your right. But I think too many people get lazy in their consumption of the news. And you know who's most affected? Not your everyday consumer of information. But I think journalists themselves have been infected more than any other group with this new information age. Because right. there's more demand for more news, more news, more news. This second, 24-7 news cycle, nobody ever sleeps. And, and, it, and it makes it simple, too. And I, I think what David Bowie was talking about, about it being something extraordinary and like an alien and, life form and yeah. dangerous is what you're what we're losing is when i needed to know a fact the way that i found that fact up when i was growing up encyclopedia i went to the encyclopedia <laughs> and then i had to search through there yeah. and figure out and what you end up doing is i'm looking for that symphony you're talking about right and i'm like i think it's Mozart. And so you look at Mozart and you start reading and reading and reading. It's like, no, it wasn't him. And so you find another reference. Now, I'm taking this knowledge in on Mozart. So I've learned all that. And then you once you end up finally finding it, you never forget that. Right. Because you had to do the work. But if you can just take your phone out and hum a tune and it brings it up. <laughs> well, you remember it. You right. won't know how to drive back to the house. The next time you need to go there, you'll have to put it on your GPS yep. again. So how conscious are you actually being? And how much are you letting technology and others who control this technology control you? Scary part about it. You can use this tech to control yourself. But too often people let it control them, myself included. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. Be back tomorrow night. Word. Woo!